This is CliffCentral.com. Womandla on CliffCentral.com. It's Womandla. It's Wednesday. <laughs> That's one of those songs that makes me so happy. And I think on a rainy day like it is today here in Joburg, with all of the... Am I, oh yeah, I'm on Cliff Central. I'm allowed to say with all the shit happening in the world, with all the craziness happening from America to Syria to downtown Pretoria, that is a song that I think we all, you know, we need a little love in our lives. We need a little bit of sunshine with a little bit of fun. So Freshly Ground is definitely the way that I wanted to start this show. Because the other way I could have started this show was Life is like a box of chocolates I think everybody's favorite quote out of Forrest Gump One of the movies that in recent memory Has made a huge impact in the lives of many people And kind of taking us one way Down a path of understanding autism And what autism is about And what autistic people, how autistic people view the world and live. I have a very special guest with me this morning, Rosanna, and she just said, Rebeck. And I was like, what? Rebeck. 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 <laughs> very special person in the studio today. She is the founder and one of the educators at a center called CARE, C-A-R-E, which is the Center for, remind me, Autism. Autism, Research and Education. Autism, Research and Education. Why are we talking about autism today? Because I believe in synchronicity. And for about two weeks now, everywhere, every newspaper, every Huffington Post newsletter coming at me, Forbes magazine, was telling me about autism and autism awareness and and when I spoke to Rosanna, she said, yes, that's because it's almost Autism Awareness Day. Last week, Sunday, actually, was the date. And she and I always drive past um, their old home, which used to be in Dunkelt, Dunkelt slash Hyde Park. Always drove past the center and always saw this thing that says care. And it's such a cute board that they had there. But now you've moved to a new home in Orange Grove. Yes. And they are a school for autistic kids. And I thought... All right, we're going to have this conversation then. We're going to have this conversation because I think there's a lot of um, misinformation out in the world. There's a lot of misconception about what autism is about, how you get autism, and more importantly, how you live with an autistic family member. And Roseanne has very graciously agreed to come during her school holidays and spend this morning chatting with me about her work. Welcome, Rosanna. Thank you. And thank you for taking the initiative. So you're the founder of the school. That's Why? correct. Why? Why would you even, you don't even have kids. Most people that <laughs> become part of a cause, especially causes that are related to children, tend to be people that have been affected by an illness or by a particular way of living. And so have far more awareness, and that's why they get into it. How do you, gorgeous, young, beautiful, and not shackled down by a kid, <laughs> become the mother of so many kids? I started the school in 2011. I've always been fascinated by late-onset disorders like autism. It only starts around 18 months when you see the first signs. But I think... Uh, autism changed my life. Education changed my life. Apologies. So that's why I've always wanted to have a group of professionals under one roof and working with children. The good thing is not being a mother of a child or a mother of a child with special needs is that I've opened the school for all children. So I cater to all children. It's for anyone and everyone with autism. Autism is not selective. It doesn't uh, um, only apply to certain races or certain religions or anything. It affects all children all over the world. Or a certain gender. Which or is, a certain when, gender. When well, an interesting, yeah, an interesting point is that autism affects a dispro disproportionate number of boys to girls with a ratio of four to one. So it is more prevalent in boys. Um, we've got 40 learners at the school and 32 of them are boys and only eight girls. Sure. Yeah, that is. So let's just talk about the condition. Let's talk about okay. what what exactly is autism? Because when I think about my understanding of autism, 
It ranges yes. from one end of the spectrum of Rain Man, yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> Where all I see is Dustin Hoffman, and <laughs> and I think, wow, this is a lot to deal with. And then on the other end, you're dealing with a Forrest Gump type person right. or somebody that I have in my life, um, a very dear uh, family friend of ours who all my life, is the most amazing person, but incredibly autistic. And I have this person in my life. And so my understanding of autism is is very personal and very specific. Right. So what exactly is autism? Autism is the fastest growing developmental disability in the world. And the signs of autism can be evident from when an infant is six months old. Um, however, the disability is typically detected around the 18 months old age. Um, there are several warning signs that might include the presence of autism. They're not limited to eye contact, um, a lack of reciprocal smiling, which is very difficult for parents. You smile at your baby and the baby doesn't smile back at you. An inability to recognize familiar individuals, which would also be difficult for family members of children with autism or the cousin or the auntie where the child actually doesn't recognize them. And communication milestones may also be delayed. It's important to note that autism is a behaviorally manifested condition. And okay. that the, whoa, 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 it's a behavioral whoa. condition. So, okay, okay. <laughs> and this is, this is the thing for me, right? Is this is something that very young kids, so from about six months, you can kind of tell that there's very early signs, but you would need to be a professional in the field to be able to detect it at that young age. But most kids are, are, are normally diagnosed around 18 months to two years, around two years is right. when most parents will, will come into the realization. Start to see changes or a regression or. Okay. So, so now you have to explain to me like a six year old about the behaviors that are typical of autistic um, children or sufferers? So the four main areas that are affected by autism are social interaction, behavior, communication, and sensory functioning. And the difficult, so for a six-year-old where you would expect them to be able to hold a conversation, tell you about their day, they're limited to two to three word phrases in sentences or one or two sentences, but it's more... They're not going to tell you, like, they're not going to comment on a story or run up to their parent and say, I had a great day today and I, I did, I did a few writing things and I played with this one or played with that one. What you also see very evident is the lack of peer interaction or social interaction. They don't get the nuances of social skills. They don't develop incidentally like they do with, with neurotypical learners. So we have to teach them how to play. Play is a very important learn. You learn through play. Children learn through play and they just don't develop play skills. They don't develop imaginative play. They don't pretend that they are fairy or that they're a pirate or they're a fireman. They don't understand the concept. They, 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 we need to teach them functional play, symbolic play, which is so important in learners who are developing. And, and what other things can a parent look out for that says, oh, you know, the, this type of behavior maybe, because again, I think for a lot of, a lot of people who don't have, um, Anybody as a reference point for autism, what we tend to look for is we look for examples that we've seen in media. Mm. So we kind of think, oh, very typically, you know, repeated words, for instance, is, is a big thing with autistic kids. Yeah, it's called echolalia. <laughs> <laughs> So a lot of our learners will will repeat what you say. You know, we, we tend to say to our kids, say hello, mm -hmm. say this, say that. If there's a nice, you know, say jump, say hop, um, say car. And then they will, they won't just say the word. They'll, they'll repeat exactly what you said. They'll say, say hello, say, hello. say car. Um, although echolalia over, over time is more, is more indicative of communicative intent. So it's actually not a negative. It's, we do look at it as a positive because when there's that echolalia, they are able to produce language. They do have a receptive, which is the understanding of language. Even though we, they, they're repeating it verbatim with what you're saying, it still indicates that there's communicative intent, which is always what we're looking for because of those communication milestones that are typically delayed or non-existent in learners on the autism spectrum. Speaking of autism spectrum, so I've often heard that term, that it's, it's a spectrum. It's a spectrum so, disorder. And, and what does that exactly mean? It's a spectrum disorder. Does that mean that 
everybody has the same symptoms or nobody has the same symptoms? There's a, there's a saying that says you can know a thousand autistic children, but you still only know one. And I think that really sums it up and what it means by a spectrum disorder. We're looking at scattered developmental profiles with learners on the autism spectrum. They may have really good skills in certain areas and not good skills, skills in the other areas. And you see the difficulties or the challenges. So because of that developmental, the scattered developmental profile, care is an educational facility as well as offering specialized therapeutic services where we are a registered school within the board of the Gauteng Board of Education, which allows us to use the CAPS curriculum, but pull from the curriculum so that we can address the different areas. So each learner will have an individual educational development plan so that we can cater to the specific needs of, of each child. One child may be really good at grade three maths, but they're still at a grade RL early intervention stage in play, which we, we need to be able to fill the gaps and, and, and bring that scattered developmental profile into something more uniform. And what about parents? You know, as, as a mother myself, and I, and I think for a lot of parents, it's very, very hard to come to terms with having a child that's got any form of disorder. But a behavioral and learning disorder is is a double whammy because it also s- says to the parent that this person is going to be dependent on you for their whole life. Learners with autism can absolutely live independent lives. They do benefit from intervention, occupational therapy, speech therapy. Another treatment method is applied behavioral analysis, which is a one-on-one intervention. We offer a classroom-based approach at care because it's more simulated to a t- typical schooling. We are trying to get these learners back into, integrate them back into traditional schooling. With the behavioral condition, it is very difficult, absolutely, because you can't take a pill for it and autism is a lifelong condition. So taking the medical component out of it make, br- brings a big gray area for families and creates a lot of anxiety. What we do see now is or, re- receiving a diagnosis of autism, which absolutely will, it does shatter your world and I'll tell you a beautiful story on on, on explaining that but um, with the diagnosis the 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 two things you get out of it is access to services which there's our facility and a, a couple of other facilities in Johannesburg and then it's for medical aid funding or any access to finance in order to finance because it is very expensive they need intensive intervention occupational therapy speech therapy even ABA are, are costly to families um, a lot of our medical aids do support autism recognizing it as a lifelong condition so that there are available funds to these families and then you've got the schooling component which we offer so the kids do come for typical school that you know they go to school they follow the national the caps curriculum they say they're going to school um there's a beautiful story called welcome to holland and i think i tell most of my families all the time and we've got it framed tell me the story (laughs) it's really beautiful i mean i don't have it on me to read it but i know most of it verbatim and we've got it framed at the entrance of our school because it really is important and what it says is when you have a baby, you, you've got, you make all these plans and you're going to Italy because all your friends are in Italy and that's where you want to go because that's where everybody else is. And you get on the plane and unfortunately the pilot, um, announces over the, the intercom that he says, and welcome to Holland. You know, we've just landed in Holland and you so, you can't believe it because that's not where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be going to Italy. Why, why Holland now? Yet you need to stay in Holland and you need to learn a new language and buy a whole lot new more guide books and find the more beautiful things that you can appreciate about Holland because Holland's where you have to stay. And all your friends will still be in Italy and you'll still be upset that you're not in Italy. But when you start to appreciate all the beautiful things about Holland, Italy doesn't feel so Italy doesn't feel as as, as important anymore because this is where you are now. And it really is a beautiful, and it does sum it up. And when I read that story for the first time, there was nothing that was going to stop me in opening a school for learners on the autism spectrum. Because mm. it really does sum up special needs in a beautiful way. That's incredible. That's incredible because that that is, wow. It, it actually blows my mind because that is, I suppose, the thing about parenting is everything is so unexpected. And yet, because of our personal experiences, we have a particular expectation of and how a plan. things are supposed to be and a plan of how things are supposed to be. And and for the parents, what, what kind of advice do you give parents who arrive um, at this diagnosis and then come to you looking for help? 
what are the the first steps i suppose in in getting the right kind of support for a child with on the autism spectrum so families will, will, will either phone, they'll either have been to a developmental pediatrician already. As an occupational therapist, which is my profession, and we're a team of OTs and speech therapists and specialist educators at the center, we are not allowed to diagnose autism. So either they come to me first and we'll then make the appointment for a developmental pediatrician in order to get a formal diagnosis or a pediatric neurologist or a child psychiatrist. The next step would be a screening process to determine suitability for the center, meaning would this learner or child benefit from the intervention that we offer. We offer intensive occupational therapy and speech therapy at care, as well as specialist educators who are following the CAPS curriculum in an adapted perspective on that individual development plan, each child that I spoke about earlier. And then I try and I'm not a mom with, I don't have a child with special needs. And I think over the six years that the school's been open, it's been better. I think it might have been more difficult for parents if I had a child with special needs or a child with autism because potentially I would have created the center to cater to my child and all other children needed to fit in to my child's journey. So that's been really great for parents to, to, and they really are fascinated by me like you were earlier. Why did I open the school? Um, education's changed my life. I'm an occupational therapist as well as a business degree, and it really has paved the way for me in de- in creating the centre as well as running the centre and having a team of health professionals and specialist educators under one roof. So that every it's a one-stop shop. They're getting the education, so they're still following what what they neurotypical learners would be doing from an education perspective and then receiving the intensive therapy therapy on top of that all under one roof taking away the difficulty for parents who need to in this economic climate both parents need to work full-time most of the time and they don't need to drop and fetch and children are not pulled out of class to go to therapy so there's no stigma there's there's a lot of fluidity through through the center we're a transdisciplinary team so everybody's helping everybody knows everybody's child speech therapists are training occupational therapists we're doing a transfer of skills which is really nice as well as the specialist educators get to use therapeutic principles in the classroom so it's a it's it's a it's a constant therapy rich environment as well as a language rich environment which autistic learners really benefit from what i do also try to help parents with is when they get the diagnosis is to try and focus on using the diagnosis only for access to services, whether care is the right facility or we need to refer to a more beneficial facility for the child, and then for any access to funding from any medical facilities or whatever else they would they, they may have. And then to look at the child specifically. What does their child need? After doing a comprehensive evaluation and assessment from an occupational therapy, speech therapy, and education-based, we're able to develop a plan going forward. What are we going to do the next six steps? Where, what are we going to focus on? The diagnosis is just a heading. It's just an umbrella term. It doesn't tell you anything about the child. And again, stressing to parents that you can know a thousand autistic children, but you still only know one. So you know yours. You are the advocate for your child. You need to listen to your gut. If you feel that this is the right place, if you see the, the intervention working, but to also communicate with, we're a big team. There are 35 of us in, in the team. To not try, there are lots of fad things that come up over the internet and do this and do that and <laughs> some things may have benefits, some may not. Not everything works for every child. Should we remove gluten and casein, which is dairy, from all children's diet, sugar? What happens at birthday parties? What happens when they, they're going to their cousins or their friends or their brother or sisters, they can't have the cake, they can't have the ice cream, they can't have the sweets. It becomes really difficult for the child. And how much, where, how much, it's an elastic band. How much do we stretch? And when do we decide that we're going to pull back and give the child the freedom to develop? Mm. And typically from your experience, the kinds of questions that first-time parents who've just received that diagnosis, the, the kinds of questions that they ask themselves and the kinds of questions that they ask um, caregivers or potential caregivers, what have been the most insightful questions for you that you've kind of gone, who, I wish every parent asked that question? Well, I don't think there's any question I wish they, w- they would ask. I think it's more, the not that I wish they wouldn't ask, but the, the typical questions asked are, and they're not the ones that I wish them to ask, because unfortunately we never know until we see how the child benefits from the intervention or whatever interventions are put in place is if we're looking at a nonverbal learner, 
will my child talk? And when the child's two and a half, three years of age, early intervention between ages from two and a half, even till seven, we're looking at the early intervention ages, the, 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 the possibility that they will talk is high. But nobody knows. Will my child go to university? Will my child ever wear a school uniform in grade one? I've put my child's name down at a private school, which is for neurotypical learners. Will they go there with their brother or sister? Will they? I, 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 we don't know. And I think that's the most. So there are never any questions I really want them to ask. It's more the questions that are, I hope that we give them enough comfort and support in knowing that every child is different. Every child on the autism spectrum is different and giving them Everything that you can, and 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 as intensive as possible, because there is typical research that proves that intensive occupational therapy and speech therapy is highly beneficial for learners on the autism spectrum, and just giving the child the chance, giving the organisation like care even the chance, you know, or wherever the child's placed, rather than constantly trying to find something better or looking for the that grass is greener approach, mm-hmm. where you may see something but then you, uh, there's, there'll be something else missing. Um, and we really are encouraging with parents if they should we do the gluten casein free diet? Try it for three months. Let's check it. Let's keep keep me going. Tell me what's happening. We'll watch at school what's happening. You'll tell me what's happening at home. It's, we open from seven to five, and a lot of our learners do stay with us for the full day. So we, we we really do have a lot of information to give to the parents, and then marrying it together with with the parent being the advocate for the child. Yeah. Oh, speaking of information that you give to the parents. <laughs> And in the internet age, there is a lot of information available. There is. A lot of which is suspect. A lot of which is, like, as you say, bad science, you know. Um, one of the, the things that for a very long time, and it's it's been quiet, I suppose, for the past two years or so, um, Jim Carrey and his ex-wife, they have an autistic child. And... Uh- for a good five years, all we ever heard was Jim Carrey talking about autism, talking about how vaccines um, created the autism, um, how his child reacted to the vaccines, how we need greener vaccines, and that created a huge spin. I think for a lot of new parents who are typically very neurotic about everything to do with their babies, um, and and over time, you know, one of the things that we did did see was some parents who actually made the decision not to vaccinate their children, and then a resurgence of things like measles because <laughs> the yeah. vaccinations went. So myths. How does one get autism, or do you get autism, or is it something you're born with? Is it something that's in your family? Is it genes? What is? What are the causes? There's a 5% genetic predisposition, and then unfortunately 95% is environmental causes, which again creates a lot of anxiety for parents. What does that mean? I I don't know. Mm. What does it mean? Absolutely. Environmentally, things have changed. There's nothing to pinpoint. Um, There is a slightly larger genetic, I think, you know, we've always said there's a 5% genetic predisposition. It might be 10% now, which is still minimal in relation to 80 or 90% being environmental causes for the reason anyone would get autism. We do believe that if you predispose, you predispose. So whether the the myth with the the MMR, which is the vaccination that happens around that 18 months to two years of age, that's when it's generally administered. And that's when the signs of autism rear their their ugly head if rear their head and it's and it has been debunked i think that the thing about it is that a lot of studies have been done and there's absolutely no link between uh what is mmr measles measles mumps, mumps, rubella. mumps and rubella right so there is definitely no link that has been found it is simply just the correlation of the age of when most children get diagnosed and when this vaccine is um, is actually administered. Right. I mean, it's more, there's no conclusive research. I'm not sure if I, we could say there's absolutely no directing because mm-hmm. it's still and constantly under investigation. Mm-hmm. But it is around the time that the MMR is administered when the signs of autism will show. With the, there's a regression or there's a lack of further development in a child around the ages of 18 months to two years of age when we're looking for certain signs of development and they're not there. Mm-hmm. Um I've also, you know, throughout the six years that care has been open, 
hundreds of kids that we've seen, some have been vaccinated and some haven't been vaccinated, mm. yet they're still on the autism spectrum and have the formal diagnosis. Mm. So it's, it's a tough one to answer to parents. You know, they have their road to health card. They bring it in. This is when I did the MMR. This is when I saw the signs. So for some, there, there may be a linkage. It might have brought it on. We do believe that if you're predisposed, you're predisposed. So it's going to come out. It's going to start showing the signs and the features of autism will start showing around that, around those ages. So autism shows up quite early on in the toddler years, as it were, because that's where the, the biggest growth of um, development milestones are, are observed. Is there... Or are there any cases where it's only diagnosed much later, you know, later than being a, a toddler, six, seven, ten years maybe? Can one still be diagnosed with autism as late as that? Generally not. Unfortunately, when we do see learners that are, get a diagnosis around the ages of six, seven, and ten would be, would be really late, is did these families have access to services? Were they able to... Find a developmental pediatrician or a pediatric neurologist or a child psychiatrist, the three disciplines that are able to diagnose. They may have seen their pediatrician early on when the child was four. The child wasn't talking yet. And they kind of leave it at, well, I was a late talker, mom was a late talker, granny was a late talker. So they leave it. And then access to services isn't so readily available depending where you are in the world. There are limited facilities, and we'll talk about just South Africa, and we have many families from neighboring African countries that come to care because of the limited facilities. But there are limited facilities in Durban, Cape Town, as well as Johannesburg. It's just being able, do you have the access to the services? It would be very difficult to miss the signs of or the features of autism uh, already by six, seven Um not all learners show all the typical signs. And generally, the main indicator now is stereotypical repetitive behaviors, the flapping of the hands, the banging of the head, the, see- the sensory seeking, where the communication... What do you mar- mean sensory seeking? So a lot of our learners, they're, they're, it's called sensory integration, where being able to process information from your senses, the five typical senses, eyes, ears, as we know, and then there are two other systems, and you've got the proprioceptive system, which is knowing where your body is in space, being able to... Uh, not being having to stand right up against someone. It's not socially appropriate to stand in the queue at Woolworths or Pick and Pay, for example, and stand right up against somebody because the body's create is um, craving that sensory feedback, like a deep pressure hug or a massage, for example. Now. A lot of our learners require so much more feedback. You see the learner that constantly runs up and down, the child that will jump up and down on the trampoline for hours, removing the child from the trampoline because they need to come down and sit for dinner or even go to sleep or leave the house is terrible. There's going to be a tantrum. How long does that tantrum last for? How, what, what do we use to calm the child down? What motivates the child? Because their sensory system is just so disordered. We generally, I generally say to parents, imagine five o'clock New York traffic in your brain. And ants crawling all over your body because they can't Just saying that makes my body crawl. Yeah, and they can't understand what's going on inside their body, um, and, and and then they have the lack of words. They're unable to communicate receptively to understand, but their expressive language is where the the main deficit is. And then they can't tell you what's going on. Mm. So we they typically get known as runners. Mm. You know, you shopping centres are difficult. <laughs> See, it happens around here. People, so my sensory integration is not <laughs> Thank you, Siam. <laughs> Thank you. So, as a parent then, who's noticing this, because I do think that sometimes it's also, because it's so difficult, sometimes it's also a lot of denial that says, oh, you know, he's just an overactive child. Yeah. Or... What also happens um, with a lot of kids is then they get put on medication to calm them down, as it were. And so some of this might be missed because of that. And the denial, you know, where, you, where you're not quite ready to accept that there's something more, there's something bigger that, that one needs to um, intervene on here. Yeah. What, what are the dangers of waiting too long? waiting too long to to get a proper diagnosis and put interventions in place? 
The dangers would be that scattered developmental profile would just get bigger and bigger, and the the deficits in the in the areas would get larger and larger. There are families that are in denial, and I mean I can't blame them. I, I, mean, I can't imagine what it would feel what it feels like, and I try my best every day. So they'd stay in the mainstream or the tip, the neurotypical mainstream nursery school or even get into maybe grade R and then all those signs just come crashing down. The school can't cope. So generally in your, in your play school years, um, they'll, they'll play alongside others. If the, the group of kids, 15 or 16 kids, which learners on the autism spectrum would struggle with 16 or 17 kids in a class. We are, our class sizes are six to eight kids in a class with a, a child to adult ratio of two to one. So you can imagine that versus 16 or 17 kids, one teacher, one helper at a typical day school or for neurotypical learners. So the child will play along or tend to play on their own, which is what we see with learners on the spectrum. And the school just allow it. Um, one being just a lack of knowledge, not knowing where, to, what to do, not knowing how to tell the parents that as much as they try and um, encourage their child to participate in whatever's taking place on a typical day at a nursery school, the child refuses or they can't get the child to participate. So it's easier to just leave the child, let them follow their own lead and carry on with the rest of the kids because there's only two adults. They've got 17 other kids to deal with. And if they do make it into grade R or triple zero, which is not that common, everything starts crashing down then because they really won't be able to cope in a learning environment like that. The curriculum wouldn't be adapted and they'd be taught like any other learner. You need to sink or swim. And that's where the big problem comes in. Receiving, you know, getting a learner at six, seven years of age, 10, who've never received any formal intervention or intensive intervention like speech therapy, occupational therapy, even ABA, applied behavioral analysis. And then with none of that, and they're already six or seven, the difficulties are so much bigger. A lot of their habits have become conditioned. The stereotypical repetitive behaviors are more pronounced and they interfere with learning. If you, if the child's constantly flapping their hands because they need it, then what? How do we get them to hold a pencil? How will they sit at the table for even two minutes? And that's what would be happening at a high support setting like ours. Is you, it's such a celebration for a learner who's very sensory seeking to sit at a table even for two to three minutes and do a four piece puzzle and then get a positive re- reinforcement for that behavior and allow to run for the next five minutes and then back to the table versus imagine in a neurotypical school, you need to sit for two to three hours until first break. Mm. And that's where the difficulty comes in. And that's when they're calling the parents in. If that happens, it's in select cases that, and also lack of services. Roseanne, when you are a parent and you have support in place, you, you've been able to access um, places like him. Going into adulthood, how easy is it for kids on the spectrum to integrate, you know, as they become teenagers, as they become young adults, as they even become fully grown adults? How, e- how easy is it to integrate into society in the norm that it is in? It's not easy, but it absolutely can happen. And learners with autism can live independently and look after themselves and even work. Um, because we even work, they can work. And there's, they, they've got restricted interests, but they do have interests. And if it's something that's functional, one of their interests, then we, we can absolutely foster that skill, being at computers, numbers, reading, words, and we, I've seen some exceptional skills in learners coming through this, the center and even learners that we still have today. I've got a little girl, she's eight years of age. She, she reads better than me. I'm telling you, she can absolutely read fluently, but she won't have a spontaneous conversation with you. She won't run and tell you how your, her day was, but if you give her a journal, she'll read it word for word with no errors. So learners on the spectrum, again, it's back to that a thousand autistic children who still only know one. Some will live independent lives. Some may need more support going through into their teenage and adult years. 
a lot of our learners, about 25% of our learners year on year, integrate back into traditional schooling, remedial schooling. The mainstream setting doesn't support it. It's not the child. It's the system doesn't support it. But again, that's a worldwide phenomenon. It's not only in South Africa that our educational system doesn't support integration or inclusion of learners with, with higher or more support needs than your typical neurotypical learner. So getting them into a remedial setting is unbelievable. And we see that year on year, which is incredible. Is it, will every learner? No. Or maybe. You never know. It just depends on the consistency of the intervention and the response of the child to the intervention. The unfortunate reality with autism, and it's not in all learners on the spectrum, there is an intellectual impairment coupled with the diagnosis. And it depends on the severity of that. So there is a lower RQ but not in every learner. But we do always need to take that into account. So, and our, we have a number of unbelievable remedial schools in Johannesburg, but they also have limited facilities in limited places. Um, and then you get on the waiting list and you can't get in. Mm. Um, it, doing an formal assessment of a very expensive. Can you afford it? How long will it take? Do we wait two to three years on the waiting list? What happens then? Mm-hmm. So we are a registered school from grade R to, to grade 12, which is unbelievable. To grade 12? To grade 12. Wow, well done. So my, thanks. My oldest learner is 14, um, but they're following a more functional program, um, le- teaching them on how to live independently, cooking skills, gardening skills, meal preparation, making a bed, Dressing, undressing, all the things that don't develop incidentally for our learners. Mm. And the journey of becoming a registered school could not have been easy. I mean, you. <laughs> That's right. Is that what that laugh is about? That's right. It wasn't too difficult. I mean, there were a couple, there were formal documents that they required and there was a list of things that we needed to, to submit. But the, 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 the board of, the Gauteng Board of Education does support us. Mm-hmm. It absolutely does. There are a number, we registered as an independent LSEN school or special needs school. Mm-hmm. Um, access to the CAPS curriculum and they, they are very supportive in the fact that we are able to pull from aspects of the curriculum in order to develop an individual educational de- development plan specific to each child versus so we, we're an ungraded system at care. Our classes are actually blue, yellow. They are in colours. There's a three-year uh, three, three year age range, which is acceptable in a special needs school with small six to eight kids in a class and two teaching assistants in each class. So that ratio of two to one is there. And some learners are doing grade one numeracy. Some learners are doing grade R numeracy. Some learners are still in early intervention numeracy. So even though it's a numeracy lesson, Everyone's doing different things. Mm-hmm. Um, you teach new skills in a group, and then you, once you've mastered the skill, you work, you work on that skill independently. So our classrooms are set up very differently to a typical mainstream setting. So you have to tell me how this idea <laughs> came to you to, to set up this type of, because I've never heard of an institution like that. So how did this idea come to you and, and what is it that you're hoping to achieve with it? I think I mentioned earlier that I've always wanted that education did change my life. So I knew, um, I left, I qualified as an occupational therapist at the end of 98 and I worked for a couple of years and then I got into corporate. And coming to around the, the January of 2011, there was this burning desire to get back into the field and have a team of health professionals under one roof. I also always felt as a child when I was uh, at school, I wanted to be taught in the way I wanted to be taught. So if I created a school or a center that taught in the way that I felt would be the most beneficial or how I would have even done well, and I did very well, but even better, then how amazing would that be? And I started doing some research. It wasn't, it was always going to be a late onset disorder. There was a chance it was going to be a school for schizophrenics, which could have been also very interesting for the show today. <laughs> um, and, uh, I was starting to hear the buzzword of autism and someone, uh, someone close to a friend of mine who got the di- her son got the diagnosis of autism and, uh, it got the ball rolling and I started making all these phone calls, phoning all the developmental pediatricians, other special needs schools in Johannesburg, even Cape Town, Durban and finding out was there a need for an autism specific facility 
And the response was unbelievable. If I made a hundred calls, I think 98 of them were, were positive. And people supported me all over from top developmental pediatricians, Professor Lorna Jacklin to the National Director of Autism South Africa, Jill Stacey. Everybody met with me and the ball started rolling and I, I left corporate on the 18th of April and our doors opened on the 1st of June. Wow. We had a small center then. We were in Rosebank and Worcester Road. <laughs> And uh, within the year, we already moved to um, our old home in Dunkelt on Bompas Road because we had too many learners and we needed to expand our facilities. And we were always renting. So the vision was for, for care to go on for years and years and years and to be a center of excellence and enhance potential, change lives. And that, that is my, that is our vision. That's my mission for forever. Um, and the amazing thing is after five and a half years, um, we're running into our, coming up to our sixth birthday now in the 1st of June of 17. Um, we've just bought a property, which has been unbelievable. We are the proud owners of, of the land. Magnificent. And we did a, ma- it used to be a, for 60 years, it was a Jewish day school called Yiddish Folk. And we took that over. So the facilities were already in place. It was unbelievable. And we did a couple of tweaks and we put in a new swimming pool because they never had us. And our learners swim every Friday with two special needs teachers and they go horse riding and they do yoga and they do drumming and they do music therapy and soccer on site. Everything's on site versus a, a neurotypical learner where moms are dropping and fetching and dropping and fetching to all these different extramurals. I'm thinking right now, this is a very lively <laughs> school that you're writing it over it's here. It really is a state of the art, world class facility. Um, everything that I've ever wanted, I put it into the center because I now own it. Um, owning it and um, being able to for, for it to be mine for the rest of our lives. You know, renting and we always enhanced everybody else's property because each center was unbelievable. That this really is a world class facility with un, the state of the art equipment, an amazing team. There are thirty five of us, and it's not called the Rosanna Center; it's called the Care Center. Cause <laughs> it's the team. It really is the team, and I've got an incredible. Support system um, that we all work together, and uh, I, you know, some people say morning boss, and some people whatever they call me. <laughs> uh, you know, there's it really is a flat structure. We are a team, and everybody's working towards the same goal. So, care wouldn't be care without the team, without our amazing parents, um, and without the support from the community. Do you feel fulfilled when you wake up in the morning and go to school? Does it does it touch that place in your heart? Always, and I think well, I have amazing friends, and they are they've all had kids already, and I, I hope to have kids of my own one day. Really? And I'm I would love to, and I'm very involved in their in their children's lives, so it gives me that every day. I do see these kids as my own, and I think if any of our parents are listening, they know how much I love their kids and how I do treat them like my own and. Uh, like they absolutely are my own. So I do get that fulfillment every single day because it isn't easy. I do want my own kids. So I, but I have, uh, I have 40 kids and I've had hundreds over the years and, uh, we're a family at care. The staff are family and they, everybody is so like territorial on their class and there's three adults in the class with the six to eight kids and it's their class and it's their <laughs> kids. And, you know, sometimes, you know, everybody's like just really integrated and, all for the same purpose and goal, which is unbelievable. And your biggest lesson um, about autism over the past couple of years of, of really specializing in a very focused field, what has your biggest lesson been about the, about the, about the spectrum, about autism? It's that it's lifelong, number one, and that it's a spectrum disorder. And unfortunately, or fortunately, there are leaps in development and then there are a number of backward steps in regression and just understanding on how to accept that pull and that pull and pull back and the jump forward and the jump back being a spectrum disorder each day is different and never knowing what what's coming next and then there's those amazing days where the child the mom fetches and they've never said anything and they come running in and they say mommy and that's just unbelievable but for somebody else it doesn't happen as fast or it may never happen or we, we, we just never know. So it's just not taking life for granted and understand and being able to encourage parents and support parents in that their child is unique and their child is special and their child is Holland and Holland is beautiful. And 
just to celebrate the small milestones, even the littlest things we need to celebrate. Because you never know whether they're going to be there tomorrow. Are they going to be bigger or they're not going to be there at all? Because mm. that's generally the, na- the typical nature of the disorder. And your hope for the school going forward? For care to be a world-class facility, to continue to enhance potential, change lives, and be there forever and ever and ever, and cater to as many children as we can on the autism spectrum. So the new facility that you have, um, how many kids can you cater to? You've got 40 kids on the premises at the moment? Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can cater to 48 learners. 48 learners. So, we've so got you s- still have space yes. for learners. And how do people get hold of you? They can call me on uh, our landline, which is 011-485-0335. They're also welcome to call me on my mobile on 082-909-0054 or visit our website, uh, the www.thecarecenter.co.za. There is an online screening form there, and I will receive the email through the website and make contact with the parents. Speaking of the screening form, what kind of what what kind of questions are on that screening form? And I ask this because a lot of typically a lot of parents are listening to the show and they're thinking, hmm, I wonder if you know what what are the things that I should be looking out for here. You know, and I, I believe as a parent, you, there's always a gut sense. As a mother, you, you kind of feel it. There's something that's not just quite touching sides and it makes you feel a little uneasy. Right. What are those questions that are on that screening form or just some of the top five questions that a parent should be asking themselves that says, mm, maybe I need to get to a, what? De- pediatric, developmental pediatrician. De- developmental pediatrician or neuro. A pediatric neurologist or a child psychiatrist. Mm, Okay, so what are those questions? You're looking for eye contact. Does the child respond to their name when they called? Have you had a hearing test? Can we rule out the fact that maybe there's any any impairment in hearing for the reason why there's a major delay in communication or not responding? Has there been a regression in their development, especially on the the communication side? Did they say a couple of words? Were they babbling? Did the one or two words start mommy, daddy, juice, which are generally the first few words that start ball, jump, and then did they just disappear? Or has it been a consistent progression or consistent pattern of silence or making noises, which isn't good because it's, again, indicative of communicative intent, but they're making, all they do is make noises all the time or consistent crying, never being able to soothe the child. Um, we, we look at, the, they call the prerequisites for, for language development and we're looking at joint attention, turn taking. Remember peekaboo. If, we we st- we still play it even if it's not our own baby and you take somebody else's baby and you're visiting and it's the first thing you do and you smile you at the baby. When you see a child in the in absolutely the thing, in the mall or absolutely. in the restaurant, they smile. You smile that you smile at them. They smile back at you. You play peekaboo. There's responsiveness there, and those are the the the, the signs to look out for in the early, in the early stages when you're starting to get that uneasy, queasy feeling that maybe this is there's something different. My child's different, and also comparing to other. Uh, ch- children of the same age. Mm. Some parents have other have other kids. A lot of our families have only one child because after have, after having the child with the learn on the spectrum, their decision to have a second child is is difficult. Because mm. yeah, children are so exhausting as it is <laughs> 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 to have like two or three. I can imagine that it makes it even more of a burden. And just about. Finances. I know you spoke about the fact that medical aids um, are very supportive, but what kind of finances are parents looking at for an, an education at a facility like yours? So you're looking, I mean, our school fees are, are, are pretty similar to a mainstream setting or a remedial setting. We do open at 7 to 5 and we all are specialists in the autism field. So you're looking at um, age dependent. If you're a learner from 18 months to 7 years of age, it's 6,600 rand a month for school fees. And then if you're a learner older than that, 7 to, you know, going up to grade 12, it's 7,500 for this year. The other component With the, horse riding and stuff All extramurals are included in the fees So they're doing horse riding twi- we, we, We've been taking our <laughs> kids horse to horse riding and stuff Yeah, to Nanda since 2011 And it's unbelievable With the same teacher And they absolutely love it Our learners just 
you know, mount the horse and ride. And uh, we often get feedback from them that mainstream learners or neurotypical learners, they do also come and ride, ride there, don't ride as well as our autistic learners. So they may not speak and they may not respond, but they get on these horses and it's just unbelievable. They follow the instructions because the receptive language is there. And there's a remarkable interaction going on between the child and the animal, which is just really phenomenal to see. So it's something that we'll always continue doing. Um, so included is the horse riding, the yoga, the swimming, the drumming, the music therapy, and the soccer. And then there's the other component, which becomes difficult for parents, is the, th- the therapy fees, which are quite costly. Um, but there is access to medical funding depending on what health insurance you have. And I think, you know, in in our lives today, you you would need to be on a medical aid. It is very difficult if you're not for anything, even if you don't have a learner on the spectrum. So there is an Autism South Africa website as well that you can go to, AUT2. No.co.za. If you're looking, if you're outside of the Joburg area and you're looking for more information, there's definitely help available. And I think that there is. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming Pleasure. in and chatting with us because I've learned so much. Because again, you know, we only know what we are exposed to, and what Absolutely. we're exposed to in the movies is so glamorized. Yeah, it's such it's, it's such a glamorous thing. You kind of think, hmm, you know, child on the autism spectrum, maybe I can take them gambling. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or one another very um, popular um, idea around autism is on the other end of the spectrum is the savants you know you're just like oh my child could be like playing piano like absolutely (laughs) or mathematical equation like and so it's it's really been interesting to hear all of the various things that are out there and i think i commend you immensely for the work that you're doing it's incredible that you've found that thing that that turns you on so much (laughs) and that it helps people around you thank you very much for coming thank um, you your website again is the care center center t-e-r right t-r-e t-r-e no yeah <laughs> co.za and you are in the Johannesburg region but people can definitely get hold of you and are you able to to give them information about other places if they're outside of Joburg yes Fantastic. Oh, Rosanna, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you for taking the morning out and coming in to keep it real with us here at Cliff Central and Mandla in particular. More power to you. I think this is what this show is about. It's about celebrating incredibly courageous women like you and the things that you do. And uh, more importantly, it's about, you know, giving, giving the information giving the information and knowing that there's help out there, that there are parents who have a similar or the same experience as you and mummies, you don't have to be alone in this journey. There are definitely people out here to help. So thank you very much for coming to chat. Thank you. I'm Pumima Shekho and you've been tuned into Wumandla. We're back again next week and hopefully the weather's better. Hopefully next week, you know, the weather and the climate of the world feels just a little bit better. And to sign out the show today, hmm, one of my favorites, we're dancing a little bit today. Stevie Wonder, Science Seal Delivered. Cliffcentral.com